0: Once more, our word is taken from God's gospel in Luke chapter 9. And as we've been traveling through here, we've been realizing the wonder of who our Savior is. thats greater than anything the world could offer. Today, we see that as he comes to equip. In Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17, listen to God's word as I read it for us. On their return, the disciples have been sent out to heal, to cast out demons, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And now they've come back. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all they had done. Jesus took them with him and re- withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. This was uh, Peter and uh, Andrew and Philip's hometown. When the crowds found out about it, they followed Jesus, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to Jesus and said, Send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions. For we are here in a deserted place. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men, which means there were probably 10,000 people or more. And Jesus said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled. What was left over was gathered up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God cause us to realize in the power of his Holy Spirit that that which was left over is for us today. And that we are nourished today continually as, as God is faithful. Let's thank him. Father, as we come now, let your good news come, not only in word, but in power, in the fullness and the assurance of your Holy Spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts will be truly acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, for you are our rock, and you are our salvation. All these things we pray, Lord Jesus, in your strong name. Amen. Well, week if you weren't with us, we saw how Jesus sent the disciples out to do what previously only he had done, as I mentioned, cast out demons, heal the sick, preach the good news of the gospel. Now, today, we hear him doing the same thing as he sends them out, essentially, to feed thousands of people with virtually nothing. Now, last week, we talked about a lie, a lie of a person, a person called Someone else who would do what Jesus called for, but not us. We talked about that being someone else who would do that, that would cast out demons, that would heal, that would proclaim the good news. And today we're tempted to think, well, that must be someone else who Jesus would would say to go and feed them. You do this. You give them something to eat. But today we're called to discover how we not someone else how you and I are called to feed the hungry hearts and the minds and the stomachs of those around us. Now I think that's really important to realize it's not someone else. We get to do that. We get to. But let's, let's think about this. Not too many of us have encountered anyone in the last week who's truly starving and malnourished for protein and nutrition, for for substance in their stomach. But we have all encountered starving people nonetheless, in school, at work, in our neighborhoods. How? They're starving for truth. They're starving for hope, for meaning and direction. But you know what's the problem? They're being bloated. They're being fed junk food slop, or worse, they're being fed poison, the poison of untruth. In order for us to realize this, we need to know how to give them what they really need. When we see untruth, we need to realize it's not someone else. It's you and me who are called to feed a starving world a proper diet. And that means we need to know not only what the ingredients are, we need to know where to go get them, and we need to know how to prepare the meal. And, and guess what? Uh, guys, I'm sorry. Timothy, this does not mean sending out for pizza. <laughs> it's not one of those things pick up the phone and they just deliver it. It doesn't mean popping something in the microwave. It doesn't mean forwarding an email. The reality is the kind of meal the world needs is one that is made from scratch. It's made with love. It's made with fresh ingredients, healthy stuff that feeds the soul. Yes, we are talking, my friends and neighbors, about soul food, which is hard for a lot of white people to understand, but we we need it. We need soul food. Robert Johnson knew about that part. Yeah. Now, I love to eat. I may not look like it, I love to eat, I love to cook, I love to gather people for a great meal, both literally around a banquet table, but also around the banquet table, the Lord's table. I've inherited this love in in both cases, for the table and a banquet table from my parents. See, Kochsmeier means the one who cooks. Yeah, Kochsmeier means the one who cooks and whether I'm preparing a meal for this table or a a meal for the table around the house or in the Family Life Center, I have learned that fancy doesn't taste any better. Fancy doesn't taste any better. In fact, fancy, whether it's about God's Word, some sort of fancy interpretation, or fancy around an actual dining table, just can get in the way. The reality is that what I can do, anyone can do, you can do, whether it's in the kitchen or in God's Word, if, and this is the key, we are willing to learn from someone who has learned from the Master how to cook, how to prepare what only God knows we need. And that's exactly what Jesus was telling the disciples when he said, you give them something to eat. He said, You've watched me. You know where I get this. I'm deferring to the Father. Now, go give them something to eat. Jesus had taught them what the world needs. He had taught them to be totally at the Father's disposal. Do you know why? Because then the impossible can happen. When you and I, doesn't matter who we are, are completely at the disposal of the Father, impossible things happen. And it is when we are available to God and desire for the world to be fed, body and soul, that God is able to do the supernatural through, guess who? Who? You and me. The supernatural happens when we say, God, here I am. Do what only you can do through me. So what does the world need to eat? What does the world need to eat? They need God's Word. We need God's word. It is the basis for all meals. It is the chicken stock, if you will, of all things that we do. Preparing this means learning from Jesus. As Jesus began his ministry, remember, it started off with food. He goes out into the wilderness. He's starving. The devil comes to him and says, hey, turn these stones into bread, and then you can be my boy. Jesus, what does he say? man does not live by bread alone but by what every word that proceeds from the mouth of the lord from god jesus told the disciples so don't tell the problem to go away deal with it by settling down and looking at it from god's direction what would god do what did jesus do turn the stones into bread no no compromise he looked to the father You see, we will never know what God can do to us and through us until we let this start to happen in a very practical way. What Jesus says is, you give me yourselves, and what you have, loaves and fishes, and I'll show you how this can happen. But you've got to give me you. It it looks like we're going to elect someone president this Tuesday. Fifty-seven percent of Carson City has already voted. I encourage any of you who haven't to go to the polls. Do not neglect that privilege, that responsibility and honor. But I'll be real honest. This is about as political as I'll get from up here. I can't imagine anyone is too pleased about the out, what the outcome will be this Tuesday in terms of the presidential election. I can't imagine too many people are going to be overjoyed at the outcome. If, if you are, if they are, that's the great thing about this country. You can be overjoyed about a candidate getting elected, and nobody can legislate against that. That's our freedom. But, but ironically, it seems that there's been more attention getting paid to getting one of these people elected president of the United States with the idea that if one of them gets elected, the impossible is going to to happen. That, That one of them is going to accomplish what only God can do. Now one of you said to me this week, you know what, no one is running who can heal the sick. No one is running who can raise the dead or feed the multitudes with virtually nothing. That's right. But you know what? Jesus can. Jesus can do anything. And he did. And he said to you and me and to his church, you give them something to eat. The point is that in that day, (laughs) it was actually a little bit easier because it was a dictator. You didn't vote for anybody. They just told you what to do. But the reality is, Herod had the title, but guess what? Jesus had the testimony. The president may have the office, but you and I and the church, universal, the church eternal, have the power to affect the change that will last forever, the only change that really matters. We can feed people the hope of the upper story, the bigger story. By speaking clearly and simply about how Jesus has and is and will filling every valley and bringing down every mountain with his agenda of love and redemption. And Jesus has said to you and to me, you give them something to eat. You call them into your homes and if they are physically hungry, you feed them and you do. Praise God. Jesus said, you speak to the longing of people's fearful hearts, the name of Jesus that is above every name, and you will live a life that reflects a power and authority that no office in the land can affect. What I'm saying is, my friends, is that you and I have more power than whoever gets elected Tuesday, whether it's to mayor or supervisor or president of the United States. Because we act in Jesus' name. In his little book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, uh, Tony Campolo, one of my favorite preachers, relates an experience that, that speaks to this very situation. One person realizing that they could make all the difference in the world, beginning with one life. It seems Tony was in Hawaii late one night, time difference and all. And he said, Up a side street, I found a little place that was open, and I went in. And I took a seat on one of the stools at the counter, and I waited to be served. It was one of those sleazy places that uh, embodies the whole term greasy spoon. He said, I didn't even touch the menu. I was afraid if I opened it, something would crawl out. But it was the only place I could find. The fat guy behind the counter came over and said to me, What do you want? I said, I wanted a cup of coffee and a donut. And he poured a cup of coffee, wiped his hands on his grimy apron. Then he grabbed a donut off the shelf. Yeah. He says, I'm a realist. I know that in the back room of restaurants, donuts get dropped on the floor and kicked around. Probably again and again. But when everything's out in front there, I would have appreciated him at least taking a pair of tongs and putting it on some wax paper and handing it to me. I would have really appreciated that, but as I sat there munching on my donut and sipping my coffee at 3.30 in the morning, the door to the diner suddenly swung open, and I'm the only person in here, and to my discomfort, in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place, and they sat on either side of me, and their talk was loud and crude, and I felt completely out of place and just about to make my getaway when I overheard the woman beside me say, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Come on, said the woman sitting next to me. Hey, what do you want me to do? Throw you a birthday party? You want me to get a cake and sing happy birthday to you? Is that what you want? Come on, said the woman. Why do you have to be so mean? I'm just telling you, I'm going to be 39, that's all. Why do you have to put me down? I was, I was just telling you, it's gonna be my birthday. I don't want anything from you. I mean, I mean why should you give me a birthday party? I, I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. So why should I have one now? When I heard that, Tony said, I made a decision. I sat down and I waited until all the women had left and then I called over the fat guy behind the counter and I asked him, do they come in here every night? Yeah, he answered. The one right next to me, does she come in here every night? Yeah, he said, that's Agnes. Yeah, she comes in every night. Why? What do you want to know? Why do you want to know? Because I heard her say, tomorrow is her birthday. What do you say you and I do something about that? What do you think about us Throwing a birthday party for here, her, right here, tomorrow night, you and I. <laughs> a cute smile crossed slowly his chubby cheeks. And he answered with measured delight, that's great. I like it. That's a great idea. Calling to his wife who was in the back room cooking, in the, he shouted, hey, come out here. This guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow's Agnes' birthday. This guy wants us to go in with him and throw a birthday party for her right here tomorrow night. His wife came out of the back room all right, bright and smiley, and she said, That's wonderful. You know, Agnes is one of those people who is really nice and kind, and nobody does anything nice and kind for her. Look, I told them, if it's okay with you, I'll get back here tomorrow morning about 2.30 and decorate the place. I'll even get a cake. No way, said Harry. The birthday cake, that's my thing. I'll bake it. At 2.30 the next morning, I was back at the diner. I had picked up some paper, crepe, crepe paper decorations at the store and made a sign, a big sign, out of pieces of cardboard that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And I decorated the diner from one end to the other. I had that diner looking really, really fine. The w- woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by 3.15 AM, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the diner. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 on the dot, the door to the diner swung open and in came Agnes and her friend. I had everybody ready. After all, I was kind of the MC of the affair. And when they came in, we all screamed, Happy birthday! Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted. Think of our world. Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so stunned, so shaken. Her mouth fell open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm to steady her. As she was led to sit on one of the stools in the diner at the the counter, and we all sang, Happy Birthday to her. And as we came to the end of our singing Happy Birthday, Dear Agnes, Happy Birthday to you. Her eyes moistened. Then, when the birthday cake with all the candles was carried out, she lost it and just openly cried and sobbed. Harry gruffly muffled Blow out the candles, Agnes. Blow! Come on, come on. Blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles. <laughs> and after a few seconds, he did. And then someone gave Agnes a knife and told her, cut the cake, Agnes. Yo, Agnes, we all want some cake. Agnes looked down at the cake. Then without taking her eyes off of it, she softly, slowly said, Look, Harry, if it's all right with you, if, I mean, is it okay? I kind of want to, I want to ask you if it's okay if I keep the cake for a little while. I mean, is it all right if we don't eat it right away? Harry shrugged and answered, sure, it's okay. You want to keep the cake? Keep the cake. Take it home if you want to. Can I? Can I take it home? She asked then looking at me, she said, I, I just lived down the street, a couple of doors. I want to take the cake home, okay? I, I'll be right back honest. And she got off the stool, and she picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, out the door. Walked slowly. And we all just stood there motionless as she left. And when the door closed, there was a stunned silence in that place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, So what do you say we pray? Looking back on it now, it seems more strange for a preacher sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But then it just seemed like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. And when I, when I finished, Harry leaned over the counter with a trace of hostility in his voice. He said, hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What, what, what kind of what church do you belong to? And, and in one of those moments when just the right words came, I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for whores at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Harry waited a moment and then almost sneered as he answered, No, you don't. No, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I'd go to a church like that. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all like to join a church that throws birthday parties for whores at three o'clock? in the morning. Well, guess what? That's the kind of church Jesus came to create. That's the kind of church that Jesus died for. And my friends, the world is starving for that kind of truth and that kind of care that lets them take home what only Jesus can give. Behind the masks, they and we are all like the women in this story. Starving for love. Starving for truth. They think they can get it if they turn one more trick. That if life goes the way they think it should, if there's more money, if the right political outcome comes about. But the reality is that what we all hunger for, Agnes and you and me, is nothing that we think is possible for us to have. I've never had a birthday in my life, said Agnes. Why would it happen now? And like the people that day in the little village of Bethsaida, they're in a deserted place. Sending them away won't work. Telling the problem to go away is not going to solve it. We are the ones, you and I, you guys over here, teenagers, we are the ones called to give the world something to eat. You guys know people are starving to death in your school every day. Some of you go to the senior center and you see people starving there. Some of them quite literally because that's why they're there to get a meal. It's, it's not just because they need friendship. They don't have anything to eat at home. And God says to us through Jesus Christ, you give them something to eat because what we have is what Jesus gave us. And when we simply settle, settle down, we end up throwing a birthday party in the middle of chaos. Today, Jesus calls you and me to be nourished, to be fed. Jesus Christ is throwing a birthday party for you and me every single day of our lives, and we know it, but the world doesn't. So here we are, able to call the world into that little diner, this diner, and decorate it and say, surprise, happy birthday. We're so glad you're here. We're able to sit down in his presence because we know someone is starving for God's word, just like Agnes was starving to be loved. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Someone is starving in a deserted place because no one has boldly sat down with them to speak and listen in Jesus' name, and you know who that person is. They might live next door to you. They might be one of your children. They might be one of your grandchildren. They might be a stranger. They might be someone at work, but they're starving because no one has listened compassionately and said, do you know about Jesus? Have you ever been to the party that he wants to throw for you? Some of them are children in Africa, but some of them live next door. Some of them are children who have never heard the truth that God loves them and wants to give them a new life. Some of them are eight years old, and some of them are 108 and have been waiting 108 years. And the only thing that's gonna give them hope is that Jesus Christ, through you and me, gave them what they really needed. May we each and all do this, every day. And may we realize we will be getting fed as we feed those that Jesus calls us to. And may we realize as we do, whatever Jesus calls us to give away, our personalities, our fears, Our money, there will always be more than enough left over to feed the world. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the Agneses in our lives. The starving people who need to be loved the way only you can love us. And thank you for the courage to step up and do that. In the ways that you equip us to do that, to listen, to love, to reach out, to invite people into the party of their lives and eternity. Let that happen, we pray, for your sake, in your precious name.